This is Emergency FD Storyline. So yeah, I think it was very effective in, in getting everyone's attention. And if you want to get the media's attention, make it a visual event. And that's exactly what Fire Ops 101 is. Great team building, but more importantly, I think for leaders, it's, it's a great opportunity to actually see what your firemen are doing on a day-to-day basis. The words from a TV news anchor reporter, now a city's public relations officer, and the words from a city manager, the results of a Fire Ops 101 program. This is a Storyline Extra. The views expressed on this program are from the guests and the host and do not necessarily represent the views of any government agency, private company, or public service. Emergency FD Storyline's focus is to tell the stories of those in the fire service and to highlight what matters to our first responders. I'm your host, Tom Mann. Fire Ops 101, Sharing the Job, that's our title. Since I started this podcast, I wanted to share the story of how a local fire department teamed up with their fire union and made an impact on local area government leaders and the media. Honestly, I was impressed because I was there. I saw it. I experienced it. And at the time, I was in management at a local television news station, but when I heard about doing a story involving firefighters and fire, I took off my suit and put on my turnouts and with a camera in hand, experienced Fire Ops 101, hosted by the Carbondale Fire Department in Carbondale, Illinois. You can check out the video story online at our website, emergencyfd.com. That's emergencyfd.com and look for Fire Ops 101. Check the video out. Fire Ops 101 is an amazing program. And kudos to the International Association of Firefighters for their help to help others, as they say, feel the heat as a firefighter. Fire Ops 101. Sharing the job. This is our Storyline Extra. Well, we call it Fire Ops 101, and with me is Chief Mike Hertz of the city of Carbondale, Carbondale, Illinois. Also, Gary Williams, who's the Carbondale city manager, which I just discovered is Mike's boss here. So that's good, and it's nice to have him here. And Ronnie LaForge, the public relations officer, and also with us is Matt Wozniak, the firefighter union president here at the Carbondale Fire Department. Again, thank you guys for being here with us. Fire Ops 101, Chief Hertz, I want to talk to you a little bit about it. First of all, it was put on by the city of Carbondale, the Carbondale Fire Department being the host. Tell me a little bit about the fire department here, the, the Carbondale Fire Department, how many stations you have. So yeah. we have two stations, 29 employees, fully paid. We're the largest full-time department in Southern Illinois. Run basically four vehicles, three out of one station and one out of the other station. We have an engine that runs out of station one. We have a 107-foot ladder truck that runs out of station two. We have a heavy rescue that runs out of Station 2, and the command vehicle runs out of Station 2. We cover basically 18 square miles, but we do also cover uh, SIU College, which has 6,000 acres or something that they own, and so we're contracted with them, so we, we cover all their territory also. And with that, I know you guys have even high-rises you have to deal with. Yeah, they have three uh, 17-story buildings that we cover, and then we have various buildings within the city. We've got a couple eight-story, seven-story, and uh, pretty good-sized buildings that SIU has. The kind of calls you guys deal with, what do you get? Yeah, so we're averaging about uh, 1,600 to 1,700 calls a year now. 
biggest typical type of call is is obviously student related because of SIU. We have a lot of college kids and so we run to a lot of cooking smoke type fires. We have a lot of car wrecks that we run to, but uh mostly stuff dealing with the with the students is uh the majority of our calls. Uh so you guys had a um a unique opportunity to host other municipalities, other fire departments in what's called Fire Ops 101. How did that come about? It came about through the union. The International has has this program that they came up with, and uh, the union thought it would be a great idea to put it on for the region. One of the things that we have in our city is a training ground that very conducive to putting this on. It's kind of outside of the city. It has a burn tower and, and plenty of area to to put this together because it was quite quite a big undertaking. We invited several other towns to come and, and do this with us. The reason why it is is to familiarize all these city leaders that, that basically hold the, the money for the fire department. We come to them with all this equipment that a lot of times they don't have a clue what we're talking about. The ability to take some of these leaders out and show them exactly what we do and exactly what equipment and tools that we use that are that are extremely important it was very beneficial for them to see firsthand what that is because i could sit all day long and talk about this but until they actually use it or see it definitely makes it easier for them to spend the money on certain things i know there were two mayors there we had aldermen we had councilmen we had a city manager and of course we had a reporter mm-hmm. <laughs> that was there too yeah what was it marfisboro Marfis- marion metropolis uh, metropolis heron heron yeah. What was the reason why you kind of invited those towns? What was the purpose or why? Well, that was, we worked together with those, those towns quite often. Our Mavis group is, is, is very close with those towns. All the fire departments work together. There's not a lot of full-time firemen in Southern Illinois. And to get a good showing and to put on such a big event, we needed to expand out a little bit. And that way we'd have enough people there to, to really pull it off. And I think that's what made it even even better was uh, you know the amount of people in the, and it takes a lot of work right i want to talk with the two individuals at least that were there during that event and um ask about the experience and first with me of course gary williams the city manager of carbondale when you went through this what what was kind of the surprise for you when you went through the experience of putting on all that gear going in through that environment what what was it like for you Probably the biggest surprise is it was it was harder physically than I expected. The gear and everything's really heavy. You know, obviously it limits movements, the breathing when you when you have the mask and everything on, it restricts your breathing. Maybe the thing that stood out to most to me is that you, you have to be physically fit to be effective at it. Crawling in tight spaces, we were on our hands and knees, work walking in areas or crawling in areas I should say. Uh, we, we went up on roofs and, and, you know, we, we went out on the ladder and so, yeah, it's, it's a demanding profession for sure. And probably the other thing is that that really stood out as I never imagined going into one of the containers where they had smoke and a fire simulated that it was that dark that you literally can't see. And, and even with a flashlight, they, they, they came up and put flashlights next to us and you literally cannot see. And so that also highlighted the importance of teamwork and protocols that, that, that everybody has a very, very stringent standard operating procedures because of those types of circumstances. Kind of help you as far as understanding a little bit of what's needed and necessary to do their job. Yeah, a much better understanding of it. And, and probably, though, a better 
appreciation and respect for that. One of the things I thought about during that training and, and after was that Early in my career, I worked in a in the construction field, and there's a lot of emphasis on training and safety. You know, there were many occasions that, as a worker, you could bring up safety concerns to management, and it might be dismissed that it's just, you know, people are being overly sensitive or they're just overthinking things. But for the people actually doing the work, it's a it's, it's a real concern, and those types of concerns come up throughout the year with with firemen and certainly during budget season a lot of things they ask for it's it's the focus on safety but then when you actually go out there and you see on a simulated call what it's like it it really makes you realize the importance of it that these guys go to calls every day there might be 10 false calls false alarms in a row but you don't know if the 11th is going to be a you know building on fire and and you have to go in and get people out so it's you have to have gear that's going to potentially save your life you know, I hadn't really shared this with the the with my with Matt, who's our union president that's here today. But the only advice I would give is afterwards, I thought we had negotiated a new contract six months before, and they probably mm-hmm. should have had fire ups prior to negotiating <laughs> the contract <laughs> because um, <laughs> so strategically for firemen out there is you know maybe time a fire ops training around contract <laughs> negotiations so you could you know get, get a little See. more support from from the leaders great advice from carbondale city manager gary williams I want to remind you that you can watch a video of the FireOps 101 featuring all four of our guests. You could go to emergencyfd.com and look for the video FireOps 101. That's emergencyfd.com, our website. Let's return to my interview with my next question to Carbondale Public Relations Officer Ronnie LaForge. At the time of this FireOps 101 experience, Ronnie was an anchor reporter for a local television news station where I was part of the management team. So I think one of the first things you said to me was you couldn't believe how dark it was. You thought you were going to see a lot of light, a lot of fire, a lot of things. So something that I was really surprised by was I still thought, where, where is the fire? I couldn't see it or any light at all. And Matt was actually with me and he was right behind me. And I realized while I was in that container, I think I'm a little claustrophobic because I kept thinking, Matt, are you back there? Where are you? You know? So yeah, it was a very eye-opening experience. Just how heat. dark and the heat. Yeah. I did a stand up where I had my hand low to the ground and I raised it up showing, you know, this is why you stay low. And by the time my hand got up there, I wanted to pull it back down really quickly because it was hot, really, really hot, even with my glove on. And Gary, did you have some of those experiences as far as the senses, the mm-hmm. the, the heat? I mean, you were talking about the physical exertion. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, there was two scenarios. I remember the first one we went in, and Ronnie was, was with me too, and, and the first one we went in, it, my perception was that the fire was a lot bigger, and it was literally like a little pile of uh, paper <laughs> that was burning because we were safe. Con- yeah, because we were in this confined space. And then the the last time was we were going in to look for a a person, and we got turned around. And my perception was that I was like much further away in a completely different spot. And then one of the assistant chiefs came and and uh, had a thermal imaging camera and let me look. And and I had literally moved about three feet from the front door <laughs> from where we went in. And it was just, it was really eye-opening to realize yeah. that. But again, that's why these guys train over and over and over. So they're comfortable when they go into those types of environments. They know where each other, where they're at and, and how to communicate and um, how to get in and out of the buildings. I don't know they had some other um, uh, scenarios, which I know Matt, the chief will talk more about it, but just some of the other things you wound up doing in that gear which they're required to do in their PPE 
and you had to go and do certain physical things. Tell me a little bit about that. I get that from both of you too. I think for a lot of people, it's a challenge if, if you were to climb up on a roof with a chainsaw and cut a hole in the roof. But if you added a bunch of gear that's very bulky, heavy boots, um, you know, weight on your head, weight on your back, it, it's it's just a completely different experience. You know, that and, you know, we worked on opening doors with like a demolition saw that, again, normally it's heavy, but if you are standing outside with, you know, jeans and a t-shirt on, it's a lot more comfortable <laughs> to do something that versus, I, I don't even know what the weight, 50, 60 pounds, maybe more of, of equipment. I don't know what the exact weight was. You both experienced the thermal imaging cameras, mm -hmm. which is, I think today, that's a huge thing. Let me ask you first, Ronnie, kind of your impression on that. What, what was that to you when you got to see in there and see through that thermal imaging, which you couldn't see through your eyes? I realized, you know, what was in that container, it was set up to be like a house. You know, I think there was a sofa in there, you know, some other household uh, furniture in there. And they said, even whenever I got out of it, because I, I felt like I was in a maze. Everywhere I'd go, I'd hit a wall or I'd hit the sofa. And I felt like I couldn't go in a straight line. But seeing through the thermal imaging camera, this is actually a pretty tidy place. And knowing that these firefighters are not going into always clean homes, there's maybe toys on the ground or... You know, it could be anything. There's a lot of furniture in a home that's actually lived in versus a shipping container that is set up for simulation. So it was pretty amazing to uh, think that these guys go in there, these men and women go in there, not knowing the layout. As a city manager, does that give you the, I guess, the understanding again, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes this stuff does cost to do what they need to do. And, and so, again, what was your impression when you saw that again? You're like, wow. Is that all it was? You know, I think if you approach it with an open mind, but I don't know how you couldn't have an open <laughs> mind. Um, it was open for sure. Yeah, <laughs> if it's a simulation, but you can certainly develop a little bit of an understanding of what these guys go through in a real life scenario. So to answer your question, yes. And it was actually, it was interesting because we just finished our budget process this year. And one of the items we approved was a thermal imaging camera. And it's, it's one of those things, again, that as Ronnie just pointed out, it, you know, that could save somebody's life. You know, we, we have to get, get, the right gear and you know, do everything we can to, to make sure these guys come home. In the role that you're in, which is the responsibility for, to the taxpayers, to the city itself, and to coordinate all the budgets, what is the challenges, I guess, that you have to experience in that job when balancing, obviously you want safety, you want safety for the public, at the same time you have to be fiscally responsible. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that challenge? And has this experience really helped you in that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, I think cities in general, the focus is on public safety, basic infrastructure, the, 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 the things that are synonymous with city government that residents expect. They expect that if they call 911, police and fire show up. They expect that they can turn the water on at works in the morning and flush their toilets and, <laughs> and the trash is picked up, right? Um, but, but within that, there's still every year there, there's challenges and, and you have to strike a balance. So, um, but having went through something like this, it, it definitely highlights and emphasizes the importance of the public safety element and the risks that are inherent in that job. So I would say that all things equal, we, we generally will weigh on the side of public safety versus non-public safety just because there's there's so much more risk involved. One of your comments to me was 
you know, I get the call sheets. Mm-hmm. So this kind of put a face on the call sheets. Yeah, we, we every week, fire chief sends me uh, a calls, and I, I put it in an informational packet for council every week. And yeah, and it's just numbers. And in, in a college town in particular, we have an inordinate amount of false alarms. And that you can probably imagine all the reasons why we have false alarms yeah. uh, in a, a, a town that's predominantly a college town. But you see those, and and um, and I know these guys go to a lot of calls that that they probably suspect are false alarm, but they still have to get up at two in the morning and put their gear on and go out. But I'm reminded by a, a previous chief told me once that this stuck with me is he had went on false alarms at a particular property for you know dozens and dozens of times until one night they went there and people were jumping literally jumping out of the windows and people died that night and so that's the reality of this trade that these guys are in so it's important that they train and prepare and um, do everything they can to be safe during those times so ronnie i think the orders we got my counterpart the news director walked in and said hey tom something you might want to do sending ronnie out to this thing called a fire ops 101 i don't know what it is but we need a story for the weekend. She has to have a story to anchor. That's really how it started. You think she can one-man ban this, meaning that you did the camera, do everything? And I'm like, no, she can't do this. She's going to be in gear. That would have been impossible. It would have been impossible. Yeah. You went in, kind of went out there, and I remember nervous, and I remember you showed up. We, I think you and I both showed up here, and you got a fit test for your air mask, and mm-hmm. Gary did much of the same, and everyone participating did. Of course, all the guys here were like, it's Ronnie LaForge. They were all excited at the time. <laughs> no. You call me out on this? Yes. You're gonna make me blush. They're gonna be able to see it, or they can't see it, but they'll be they'll know. So, yeah, but they were really good, and they they really everybody walked you through that. Looking at this from a reporter's point of view, I know it started as a story, like every other story. You know, I was watching you toward the end. You were exhausted. Oh, I could yeah. tell you were exhausted. It was hard to lift my feet. <laughs> you were talking about that. I remember at the end, like, I don't think I could do anymore. What was that like? Tell me a little bit from the beginning. From the beginning. Yeah. Well, so um, I, I can't remember if I was here at the fire station. I think I came over here to get fitted for some yes, you gear. Did. And then day of fire ops, we went into one of the buildings over at the the training facility. And they, they you know, took your blood pressure and, and, you know, prepped us on what we were getting ready to go through. And as we're talking about it, you know, I am a, a small person. I know I am. And that gear is really, really heavy. And by the time I had made it from the parking lot over to where we were actually going to do the training, I was huffing and puffing. I was like, oh my goodness. Gary mentioned the camaraderie too. Um, I was with Matt um, a lot of the time through this training or through Fire Ops 101. And the camaraderie is by the end of the day, I felt like I had friends. And then the next fires that I would go on, I recognized people. I knew some of the firefighters like, hey, Zach, you know, I knew them and felt like they were easier to approach in that high stress situation. And we're talking with Gary about this, just being a member of the city government. Now you are, which we'll get to that in a moment. But as a reporter, you thought that really opened up your mind when you go back, you went out on the scene after that. Absolutely. I mean, when a reporter shows up on the scene and everyone is busy and fighting a fire, you feel a lot of pressure to find out what's going on, but also stay out of their way. So I think it was really important to just make friends and and know these the men and women that are, you know, underneath all of that gear. That way, whenever you do need to get some information, they're able to help you out. What was the... Um the part that shocked you the most? I really thought that I would have been able to see more than what I was able to see. 
And the, just the equipment, again, describe that, that exhaustion or that feeling you had, did that kind of change? You think that being in news and, and you think that's a high stress situation and that you work well under pressure. <laughs> I was, I quickly learned I do not work as well under pressure as I thought that I did. And it wasn't, there wasn't even a ton of real pressure on me, but just the physical, the heavy gear and the helmet and not being able to lift my head and not being able to see in front of me and feeling like everywhere I went was just, you know, I was hitting a wall or hitting a sofa. That's a, yeah, I wanted to just get out of there. <laughs> and then uh, the experience of you climbing a ladder. Tell me about that one a little bit. I'm not scared of heights. I, I'm not scared of heights, but um, climbing that ladder, I felt like that heavy gear. I couldn't move my feet as well as I thought that I would be able to. And then obviously there's a hole in the ladder as you're walking up it. So I thought that I was going to be able to make it to the very end of all of the, you know, I think there was five different simulations that they put us through. And I thought for sure I'd be able to make it to the end of that one. I'd be able to finish that one. No, I made it about three quarters of the way. And I thought, ah, this is getting too far for me. I'm just going to back down now. It's been a few years ago since this actually took place. Mm -hmm. But now you've gone from anchor reporter. Now you're a public relations officer for the very city that put this on. Yeah, it's come full circle. Yeah, come full circle. You know, now you, you do rep these guys you put on a face for the city. If you were talking to other fire departments, others considering doing this and a very good experience, does it work well? Everybody's fighting misinformation. There's always bad information out there. You know, the reporters, you know, we'd be listening to a scanner and we'd hear that there was a fire or we'd hop on Southern Illinois Fire Incidents Facebook page. And that's where we would hear or see, read that, um, there was a fire going on. We didn't know where, sometimes it would say a road that could stretch, you know, six miles. Um, and you're just out there driving around. But f having those contacts, I can't stress that enough, is the friendships that you build during a fire ops, they stick around. Um, and that made it a lot easier. Whenever I started this job, I felt like I already had friends that worked for the city because I had worked with them so many times before. One of the biggest problems that is that many times cities and especially you'll have fire departments, police departments. In, in the newsroom, it's like, they don't want to talk. They must be hiding something. Does this really help break the ice with that? A reporter should know that they're trying to do their job, and obviously we're trying to do ours, but theirs comes before what we have to do, and I wish more reporters um, took that into consideration, but they're under a lot of stress too. And earlier I mentioned misinformation, and I don't think I got to my point. Go but ahead, go to it, yeah. Whenever you have those friendships, you know, Chief Hertz would text me and say, this is what's going on. I felt like I could text him and not be interrupting him. You know, he would get back to me whenever he he had the time. I knew that he was going to get back to me. So it took a lot of that stress out of the situation of wondering, am I going to get sound by 5 o'clock? Am I going to have information by 6 o'clock or an update by 10? You know, you you make those friends especially during fire ops, but even before, just out on the, out on scene. And then you, it takes the stress out of it later on whenever you know that they're going to get back to you. And they're going to correct any misinformation that's out there. For instance, when they say, I can't talk about it right now, we have a situation, or this is what's going on, this is what I can tell you. Then that, does that help, you think, break that, that feeling of they might be hiding something? I never thought that they were hiding anything. And I think that's because... A relationship? The relationship. I can't, you got to have a relationship with the people that you're out covering because everybody already feels that the media is out to get them. 
And I was trying to do the exact opposite. You know, I wanted the people who, um, in the fire service and in the police service, I wanted them to find a friend in me and somebody that they could trust to get out the correct information. And so they would tell me things that were off the record or couldn't be released yet. Hey, this is under investigation. We think it's probably this, but for this reason, we can't release that to you. So just, you know, maybe don't say anything about that. And I 100% of the time can say that I never made a huge mistake that was, you know, where I said something that I shouldn't have said because they made sure um, that I had all the right information and I knew before I left the scene, this is okay to say, correct? And then everybody would agree on it and I'd walk away. As a, a public relations officer, just like what I asked Gary as a city manager, you think it was an effective method of, I guess, getting the message out, understanding what their job was? Absolutely. Whenever you're in a visual medium like TV, um, they're always looking for something that's visual. So a Fire Ops 101 was the most visual of stories that you can come up with. I mean, you had every, you had gnat sound, you had fire and smoke, you had all the you sirens, you know, whatever you wanted, they, it was there. That was like the, the shiny object to get everybody there. But once you're there, everybody's just like so tuned into what you're saying. Um, so yeah, I think it was very effective in, in getting everyone's attention. And if you want to get the media's attention, make it a visual event. And that's exactly what Fire Ops 101 is. I'd like to follow up. Oh, go ahead. On, follow on up with Ronnie deal. said no. You know, dealing with the media is a, is a big deal. And, you know, like she had said that uh, a lot of times the reporters will show up on the scene. They always show up the wrong time or whatever. You know, somebody will come and say, hey, the reporters here want a story. It's oh, not, great. <laughs> it's not the right time. You know, it's like, eh, we're, de we're dealing with whatever. Yeah. And, and, it, and like she said, the better of a relationship you have with that reporter may be the faster you get to talk to them. Because, you know, eh, well, I can go talk to them real quick and, and she'll understand or he'll understand, whatever. So it is important. You know, I've been on the news a few times and I've dealt with a lot <laughs> of different reporters and, and I do try to become friends with them and it works both ways they get stories from me and a lot of them have my phone phone number and all that you know to where they can call me or text me and and find out and i'll release what i can release and i won't release what i can't release but it works the other way and i'm entrusting in them because my face or my voice is in their hands like with you right now yeah exactly and so it's definitely a good to have a good relationship both ways Kind of symbiotic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And if both parties are comfortable talking to each other off camera, it makes the on camera look so much more natural. Right. So back to how this took place. The nuts and bolts of it. Two of the members of the Carbondale Fire Department, Chief Hertz, and of course, uh, Matt Wozniak. Now, Matt, you're here. You got a lot of insight, again, being union president and the chief and the city involved. Um, I was very impressed. Also, just inviting the other communities in the area, the fire departments, which was a, an asset for them because they don't have many of the resources you do in the area. They don't have a training center. Most of them do not. So this is the place. How did this take place? Let me start before you go. I got to say that, that the union did a spectacular job of this. And this wasn't something that was done overnight. This was, this took, and Matt may lead into this, but it took over a year probably of planning and everybody had their jobs and everybody was, had, was assigned to a different uh, particular part of this. And I got to say, I can't take hardly any of the credit for this because these guys all did it. They got my blessing and I allowed them <laughs> to do different things and work on different projects. But, 
But I got to say, these, these guys did a great job, and it was it was mostly orchestrated through the union. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. There's a, there's a lot that went into it, like the chief said. It, it took like a year, and there's a file on our flash, the union flash drives, that a fire ops file of all the lesson plans. I mean, people don't realize we had to make lesson plans for each of these scenarios we put them through, just like we would for a regular classroom. So this wasn't done on a wing and a prayer. It's like, oh, let's do this this weekend. No, I mean, so, we wanted to make sure it was done right and done efficiently. So uh, we gave all the participants the best outcome we can give them. And the crazy thing about this is, you know, it's kind of like a prescribed burn when you go out and you burn some area to prevent it from catching on fire some some other time in a controlled setting if that goes haywire we look terrible you know if we cause a fire or we cause an an, an incident or somebody gets hurt or somebody gets hurt whatever right. it makes us look terrible and so every little t had to be crossed i dotted it had to be perfect basically or mm-hmm. it could turn out to be a disaster I was impressed the fact just just when we went in, some of us like myself, the older guys, it's kind of like taking, you know, getting your blood pressure, your vitals. You know, we had some mayors and others that really were a lot older. And I know how taxing it is to be in that gear and all that. Just just give me the nutshell, you know, what, what you had to work on with that. So, yeah, I'll give you like a nutshell how the day went. Uh, we started at 8 a.m., had everyone meet there at 8 a.m. We gave them a little bit of a breakfast. Uh, we gave them a medical evaluation, so everyone had a... A three-lead EKG done. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, we want to make sure everyone's heart rate's normal, and uh, we gave them blood pressures. Uh, we did the whole nine yards on a basic evaluation. We showed everyone the uh, our self-contained breathing apparatus, so we gave them like basically a little rundown, familiarization, a little drill on how to use these things. For that, all the members had to come to the station. They got fit tested for our SCBAs. They got put into gear. We made sure we had the right boots, the right pants. Everything fit them correctly as best as possible. So then that morning, we did the SCBA familiarization again. We did an orientation, a little briefing in the morning to tell them what to expect. Uh, We had them get in their gear. We walked them through the training props. So uh, part of the safety measure we do is we take them through the burn building when there's no smoke, no heat. You know, it's normal atmosphere. We make sure they know how to open all the windows, open all the doors. They see where all the doors are, the exits, the egresses, multiple escape routes, stuff like that. We started off with five evolutions. Of the five, all these things are done simultaneously on the fire ground all at once. But they got to see each scenario slower and gave them several, you know, 40 minutes at each scenario to see like, all right, well, we're going to force the door now. And then on the fire ground, same time, someone's bringing a hose line in right behind you. So uh, it was a little bit slower paced and we showed them what we all do and all the all the tactics we use to do the stuff. And then we ended about 2 p.m. We did a critique and we all ate lunch together with the four other departments that were there. I know here you had a reporter. I was involved with that. And then you had city manager, you had Gary here. And then you had, I think, a councilman. Yep. And I can't remember if anybody else was here from the city. but We had the PIO at the time. That's right. Yeah. My position, the okay. person who had it before me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was kind of a big big event to do that. Yeah, so we had, like uh, the chief mentioned earlier, we had Murfreesboro, Marion, Heron, Metropolis. They took care of their fit testing on their own with their city leaders, and they got their gear. We couldn't provide gear to all these departments, but... They did that on their own, and then we had to take care of city manager, our city past city councilman, and then we took care of, uh, at the time, Amy, now Ronnie LaForge. <laughs> did, uh, were there any challenges? I mean, any, any things that as it was going on or uh, any difficulties you ran into that concerns you had? Uh, honestly, I, I think all the hard work we put into it, went, uh, it made it go off great. I gave it to the local that helped me with it all. We're 21 members. Every member did something that day. You know, we have several guys that are instructors here, so they they did lesson plans 
and they gave me the lesson plans and then we put it all together and went off without a hitch. It was great because of all that hard work they put in. So I guess the only mistake you really made was that um, your timing was off. You should have done it after the contract <laughs> negotiations. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times the city manager, or the, you know, the public, they'll come into a fire station, they see a kitchen, they see recliners, and they see a, a nice workout room. And they're like, wow. Wish we all, had that. Wish we had this. Wow, you guys have bedrooms? You have beds? <laughs> well, they don't realize that we're up at 12 o'clock. We were up last night at 1 in the morning. We don't sit in those chairs like people would think we do. At the end of the day, we still have a job to do, and we might be out all day long. We might be at a warehouse on fire for the whole night and be at work the next day and respond to 12 other calls. What was what was the reaction, I guess, the two of you, uh, Chief, and, and both of you guys? Did you really feel good about this? What, what were you seeing coming out of them? I'll, I'll answer first, I guess. With all the planning, and, and like I stressed a wise many times that this has got to be we cannot have any injuries we cannot have any you know it's got to be perfect and and they did they they did a great job we we bring people in here and we show them what we do and all that and everybody's usually amazed with the has the same reaction and that's the thing with the fire service is that we train and we train and we train and we train and if there's a mistake or something we try to learn from it every time and we try to write that down and that's where all that book that code book that's up at city hall or in the fire service it's all those codes were there because there was an injury or a death or something so we we definitely try to learn from every single mistake and so i think you know when the public comes in and we show them exactly what we do and how structured we are and the way we operate around with each employees and all that and people are like now i kind of see why why you guys are that way why you're so tight you know we work 24 hours together we live together for you get put on a shift with with a group of people and you know how their family is you know how they you know their mannerisms when they eat you know their mannerisms <laughs> when they're tired you know you, some of the guys you say you need to go get a snicker bar you know you're kind of getting a little grumpy or something but, you need to get a bath or you get no. a bath exactly <laughs> shower <laughs> but it's because like matt said no. We could be sitting here at the table in five minutes from now, and it's happened to us several times. Five minutes from now, we could be in a situation where we could lose our lives or we could be right at the edge of something that's very extremely dangerous. But that's the point of this whole thing, though. Yeah, and, and, and people see that. Yeah, I was going hit to uh, hit back on that last question oh, you asked, though, um, how I felt about the city manager and the media and what their reactions were, the city councilmen. Well, it was great. I mean, that's what we were kind of shooting for. They make important decisions, and I think fire ops showed them what we do. It gives them a really good understanding of the challenges of the job, especially physically. That was a lot of the response was how hard it was. They didn't realize how hard it was. I mean, yeah, I can go carry a chainsaw to the roof. I mean, anyone can. They can take a flathead axe, and they can walk up to a door with it and punch out a piece of glass window, you know. But to do the skills and to do the skills with our gear on, that's 70-plus pounds. And we didn't even add in the mental stress of people screaming at you, you know, people being stuck inside and chaotic scene that goes on there wasn't even that involved but uh, at the end of the day they all gave us really good positive feedback on how hard of a job it was they didn't even realize that was the goal and then you asked about what all the evolutions were we did uh, so we did five four of these five all go on simultaneously all at once in a coordinated effort so we did hose advancement we did search and rescue we did ventilation and we did forcible entry a lot of times you got to force the door to get the hose in and when the hose goes in, you're also searching for victims, and when the firefighters and the victims are inside, someone's ventilating the roof. We do that all at once on the fire scene. We showed these in four evolutions, and then we added in a fifth evolution. Uh, we did extrication and medical response. Uh, that's 
some of the most frequent calls we go to is car wrecks and medical calls. So we did a little demonstration and let them use the jaws of life. We cut up cars certain ways and uh, extricated a, a victim from the car. And then we uh, went on to teach them about medical procedures we do and show them, you know, what it's like to put an advanced airway in someone to make them breathe again and, you know, use an AED and stuff like that and tourniquet, stop the bleeding, all that stuff. So I think Gary alluded to, he was, he was saying that, uh, you know, he wondered if he got some props for, for doing it, being there and doing it. And, and he definitely did. I think, uh, all of us on this department were like, yeah, you know, and I am always encouraging other folks that work for the city to come for doing some training, come see what we're doing. I, I, whether it be public works or finance or any of those i'm always encouraging to come see what we do ronnie you're sitting here the public relations officer and you really see the benefit you know the person who had this position before me she was out there that day covering the event you know i was covering as a as a reporter but the public relations officer was covering fire ops itself and and had talked with the city manager and talked with the former council member that was there about their experience and they put that out on their own youtube channel on their own social media channels it creates a lot of really great conversation. Would you recommend doing this and the benefits and how it turned out? What would your rec- recommendation be to other fire departments around the country about putting on a program like this? Do it. I mean, <laughs> it's hard work to get it all going, but uh, extremely beneficial. It definitely makes the council people and the city managers and the mayors, makes them think, you know, the Carbondale firefighters, we didn't, like, this wasn't our idea. It did come from, like the chief said earlier, it came from the international, so they do it, and a big thing to put on, but like I said, we plan to do it again, you know, with the next group of elected officials and do it. Yeah, my advice from the fire chief's perspective is, is I would say, yes, do it, but definitely do your homework. You definitely have to put in the work, cross every T and dot every I, and, you know, do the fit testing. It was like our situation where it went off as it should. It's a great thing for the community, great thing for the leaders to to understand what we do. And if you were having problems in your community where, you know, reporters always seem to be walking up at the absolute worst possible time to do this or to do this on a smaller scale, put the reporters in the gear, spend a day with them, that'll go really far. I'll let them know why you may not be talking because you're absolutely exhausted. Yeah, just show them. (laughs) Yeah. Tell them to bring their camera, too, because I'm sure it'll be a visual day for sure. Yeah, These guys did a great job, by the way. I mean, I was so proud of our guys that they that put that on. It was so well planned and managed. And the biggest, to me, the biggest advantage of it was, or I should say the greatest value was, number one, it was getting to see what everybody really do, uh, at least as much as you can in a scenario-based environment. I, I think it developed camaraderie too, because I got to spend the day out with these guys and see what they do every day and put the gear on. And there's a lot of value in that and going out and like being in someone's shoes, so to speak. I think I d- definitely developed a, a higher sense of respect for these guys, for what they do every day. And I hope likewise, they could see that I was out there humping this stuff along and, and can appreciate what they do. So great team building, but more importantly, I think for leaders, it's it's a great opportunity to actually see what your firemen are doing on a day-to-day basis. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So again, Chief Mike Hertz, Gary Williams, City Manager, and uh, Ronnie LaForge, Public Relations Officer, Matt Wozniak, Firefighter and Union President. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Fire Ops 101, sharing the job. That's our storyline. I want to remind you again to check out the video featuring all of our guests. 
It's called FireOps 101. You'll find it on our website at emergencyfd.com. That's emergencyfd.com. And while you're there, help support the production of this podcast with a donation of any amount. Look for the word donate on our website, or you can donate on many of our podcast platforms. Thanks again. It will make a difference. And a reminder, be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when our next podcast is available. And if you would like to contact Emergency FD Storyline with comments or suggest a story or subject for an upcoming podcast, email us at storyline at emergencyfd.com. That's storyline at emergencyfd.com. I'm Tom Mann, and I want to thank you for listening. There are many stories coming on Emergency FD Storyline. Join us.